0: Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly.
1: So now, listen, gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time?
2: From WBEZ Chicago and PRX,
3: this is Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. Too much music, not enough time. We know how it goes, and sometimes great albums get lost in the shuffle. So today, we're bringing you some buried treasures, under the radar records you need to check out. And we'll continue our series looking at the gear behind the music with the
2: Wawa pedal. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions.
3: This is Sound Opinions, and later on, we're going to be talking about the history and use of the Wah Wah pedal, your favorite uh, guitar device, Jim. But first, we've got some buried treasures. Yeah, what is a buried treasure, Greg? You know, we are listening to records all the time.
2: Sometimes they're things that fly way under the radar. We do these buried treasure shows, uh, maybe four times a year, and they're a pure treat for us because it's stuff that we, you know, doesn't warrant a full-on record review. But we're excited about them, and we want to share them with you at
3: home. Well, it's true, and, uh, you know, I do think they warrant uh, full-on record review, actually. We just have so many records to get to, and these are some that we didn't quite get to. We keep trying for the four-hour sound
2: opinions, but uh, nobody seems to want that.
3: So I'm going to go to this uh, artist named Ron Gallo, Uh, originally out of Philadelphia, now lives in Nashville, Jim. Um, I really loved his debut solo record, Heavy Meta, which came out a few months ago. I got a chance to see him perform with this new band that he'd formed. And uh, got to talk to him a little bit about how he came to form this um, band that he now has and and got to the sound that he now has, which is very different from what he had been doing when he was in Philadelphia with this band named uh, Tin Soldiers. Uh, he's now basically a, a a mixture of punk, blues, and grunge. If I may use that awful G word, uh, it's the best way to describe it. Sort of an amalgam of underground music of the last uh, twenty, thirty years. He said he got to this place because of this broken relationship he was in. His uh, his girlfriend at the time was um, going through some uh, addiction issues, and uh, it was it was a pretty dark couple of years there as he was winding down his stay in Philadelphia. And he said, I started revisiting these records that I would sort of passed over as a kid. You know, Richard Hell and the Voidoids, Patti Smith, Iggy and the Stooges, uh, Funhouse came up as a reference point. And he said, you know, I I felt like I'd sort of been uh, tricking myself into thinking I was writing music that meant something. And I realized I I wasn't really uh, telling the truth about myself. And he sort of said, you know, I've got to I've got to address head on what my life is and where it's going. He was going through this sort of crisis of confidence. He's a, a guy in his 20s having the equivalent of a midlife crisis, kind of reevaluating everything. He said, there were the first 27 years of my life, and then this is like chapter two. It's, now, it's starting with this record. What you're getting is a blast of unvarnished uh, guitar rock uh, combined with, in many cases, uh, self-lacerating lyrics. Uh, here's a song from Heavy Meta, Ron Gallo's solo debut album called Young Lady, You're Scaring Me on Sound Opinions.
0: Right to the temple, carry me to your shrine, dedicated to the prince of the last of your nine.
3: Young lady, you're scaring me from Ron Gallo's solo debut, Heavy Meta on Sound Opinions, one of my buried treasures. Jim, where are you digging? I'm going to L.A., uh, Greg, for a woman who performs under the
2: name Gothic Tropic, Cecilia Della Perruti. Uh, She is a wonderful guitar virtuoso. How often do you hear a list like this? Uh, Duff McKagan, Donnie Harrison and Cecilia. (laughs) She's one up there with a new Fender guitar campaign, lauding some of the new virtuosos. I think she's newer and better than the other two names there. She reminds me in some ways of Bats for Lashes, or dare I say, P.J. Harvey, in that she is a galvanizing front woman with an incredibly strong vision uh, that is part psychedelic rock and part post-punk. Television and wire are among her heroes, Uh, but there's, there's a much more psychedelic lilt uh, to the music at times it's almost synth rock or shoegazer or psychedelic pop it's just fantastic stuff the new album is called Fast or Feast it just came out in May and uh, I've just had it on repeat ever since I downloaded it good good stuff this is a track called Stronger it's one of the more rollicking uh, songs on this record I love it Faster or Feast uh, is the album Gothic Tropic is the band Stronger is the song on Sound Opinions
1: Keep breathing.
2: Gothic, Tropic, Stronger. That song, at least, Greg, is neither uh, particularly gothic nor <laughs> tropic. I don't know why uh, Cecilia Della Paridi, uh, chose that moniker. I think we have to invite her on Sound Opinions and get to the bottom of this. Yeah,
3: like well, truth in advertising, right? Yeah, open open invite, Cecilia. What's your next buried treasure? Jim, I'm going to go to an artist uh, who calls herself Bonzi. Uh, her second album, Zone on 9 self-released. I, and I think one of the reasons it's under the radar is because she is putting uh, her records out on her own. Uh, and they are not getting the audience they deserve. Bonzi, otherwise known as Nina Ferraro, a Wisconsin native who is now playing in Chicago. You know, the one thing I love about the music that she has put out over the last few years, she started, uh, you know, releasing records when she was a teenager, uh, a, a consistent refusal to be pinned down to genre or really simplified descriptions of the kind of music she makes. She's really one of those artists where you say, you really need to hear it to get what she's about. You know, I think evidence of that is the diversity of the people she's worked with in the last few years. Some big name people, people like Steve Albini, uh, the noise rock maestro out of Chicago, Portishead's Adrian Utley, is on this most recent record. Uh, She's worked with the indie folk duo, the Milk Carton Kids. You can hear all or none of those influences in any particular song that you may want to listen to. I think the key for me is that... um, you strip these songs down and to voice and guitar and you still get a great song but her arrangements have become much more ambitious uh... the last couple of years on this particular record she went to both the west coast and the uk uh... to work with different producers to get this wide screen production So you have in the song that I'm going to play sort of an unassuming lo-fi bedroom vibe which kind of indicates where she's coming from. That's where she started as kind of a singer-songwriter in Wisconsin. And then it veers into this stranger territory, you know, and it starts to veer between the abrasive and the dreamy and that's where you get the full effect of of this wider screen production that she's going for. The album is called Zone On Nine and the song is called Crescent from Bonzi on Sound Opinions.
0: you like to pretend alone At arm's length alone Then, oh, oh, the ceiling is taut, oh, oh. and covered in rock, oh, oh, so when you hit the top, oh, oh. you're gonna land just like you jump,
1: up oh, oh.
3: Bonzi with Crescent from the Zone on 9 album, one of my buried treasures. Where are you going next, Jim?
2: Greg, I'm going to Staten Island. Um, I think Staten Island has not given uh, rock and roll uh, much that's great aside from David Johansson of the New York Dolls and and I guess some of the Wu-Tang Clan, right? Uh, But Jigsaw Youth hails in part from Staten Island. Maria Alvarez, Alex Dimitro, Natasha Beck are a power trio – In the greatest sense of that word, uh, they're taking their name from a Bikini Kill song from 93. They are very much inspired by those bands of the early 90s alternative explosion. I think in that regard, they share a lot in common with Bully, a band that I love, and Courtney Barnett, who we both adore. She's been on Sound Opinions, um, Young women, going back to the 90s alternative explosion when they were just kids, taking what they loved about that music and bringing it into uh, a new generation in 2017. Um, There's humor, there's energy, there's ferocity, uh, and I love this song, Aunt Jenny's Got My Back. I think we all have that older aunt or uncle who turned us on uh, when we were kids to really cool stuff. I'm thinking Mm. of my own Aunt Kay. You know, The first time I ever went into Manhattan from Jersey City was always with Aunt Kay. Uh, taking me to cool bookstores and 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 neat things that, that maybe I wasn't quite old enough for yet but uh shape my life I believe that that's what they're singing about I'm not certain though the song moves so fast and so powerfully who the heck knows Aunt Jenny's got my back by jigsaw youth on sound opinions what do- Big Saw Youth, Aunt Jenny's got my back. I just, I love that, Greg. Now let's hear from one of our listeners, Greg, about a buried treasure.
4: Hey, Jim and Greg, it's Jeff from Calgary, Alberta, Canada here. And my pick for a recent buried treasure is Yesterday's Gone by Loyal Karner.
2: Uh, she could be
4: my little freckle-faced fidgeter, me but miniature, sleeping on the sofa till she tackles an articler, the whisperer. Uh, I could be your listener, telling me your stories while I'm showing her a signature to scribbler saying that she's finished but i tell her eat a spinach and she'll see the sky's the limit trust because when we're with it i can feel it ain't no limit just be free me get my sister i can see the sky's the limitless uh, in like the song florin loyal a british rapper I'm imagines what life would be like if he had a little sister sharing jokes talking all day teaching her his nan's pancake recipe Remember that I promised there's some pancakes. So I stagger to the stove and start to stand brace. See, so yeah, I'ma make him like my landmate. mate. I see you perching on the corner of the weeping window
1: pane. Growing up fast just like
4: the flora. The world is yours, come shine Although it's a cliché these days, I was drawn in by a song from an iPhone commercial. The song is still a highlight and nicely represents the personal, heartfelt, charming, and soulful nature of the album. And I just found out that yesterday's song was nominated for the Mercury Prize, so hopefully we'll be getting the attention it deserves. Later. A web Bye. All
2: right. After a break, Greg and I'll dig up some more buried treasures. And later in the show, we'll explore the influence and mechanics of the Wawa pedal. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions from WBZ Chicago and PRX.
3: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and we're going through some of our recent favorite records that haven't gotten as much attention as they should, Buried Treasures. Jim, I've got another one for you. Uh, Chicano Batman, my nominee for the best band name of the year. <laughs> uh, they've actually been around for a few years, and uh, are finally getting some well-deserved attention for their third album called Freedom is Free. It's uh, four Latino musicians from Los Angeles. I first caught them on video when they were one of the first Latin-based bands to play Coachella Festival in California. The band has said that they were heavily influenced at their formation about a decade ago by the Tropicalia movement out of Brazil. That was the 60s movement, Caetano Veloso, mm-hmm. one of the forefathers of, of Brazilian modern Brazilian music, is a big, big influence. And you can hear some of Caetano's uh, gentle but subversive vibe in the lead vocals in this group. So they were referencing a lot of um, Brazilian and Latin American music early on, but then with uh, producer Leon Michaels, who uh, worked on their latest uh, studio record, uh, bringing in more of an American funk vibe. Michaels uh, had worked with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, people like that. Um, So you can hear a little bit more of that James Brown groove starting to filter into their music. I love the way uh, they are starting to adapt a more political tone on this record, too. There's a little bit more edge to it. So they've got this kind of uh, breezy vibe going on, but at the same time, you listen to those lyrics, they're pretty hard hitting. A great example of that is the song, The Taker Story. It's from Freedom is Free by Chicano Batman on Sound Opinions.
4: up its food, it's food too. I'm talking about the birds, the aphids, the insects, and the trees. Cause there's innumerable extinct species among these. We've been enacting a story for 12,000 years. The one that says that man must follow no natural law. The one that says that man is distinctly separate from every living.
3: Haker story from their third studio album, Freedom is Free, one of my favorite buried treasures so, of So did you like them Reason from the vintage. first time you saw them? I did because they were kind of hitting some of my sweet spots. I, I really he- heard a kind of a Parliament Funkadelic ballad yeah. mode thing going on there.
2: I I I caught him at South by Southwest, uh, and I just thought there was a little too much shtick. But I got to listen harder to the actual. Yeah, record. I
3: think that, and they may have uh, eliminated some of that stuff. The record is really focused. And I got good. a low shtick tolerance. You know <laughs> I, what I mean? I hear you. Yeah. I do too. So what do you got next, Jim?
2: Uh, this could be considered shtick, I suppose. Having said that, Luke Elliot is one of those classic chain smoking New Jersey. East Coast kind of thug guys, you know yeah. what I mean? Think Nick Tosh is the novelist or uh, or the, the role that the low-cut Connie boys play or Hubert Selby, uh, that whole shtick, right? Dark and and evil and from the streets. Uh, he has an album called Dress for the Occasion. This is so buried it's not even out yet. It doesn't come out till August 18th. It did come out, however, in Norway where he recorded it, and it was a number one hit. In Norway. That sounds like the punchline (laughs) to a joke, doesn't it? How this guy from Jersey, who is so proud of his kind of uh, East Coast underground roots, how proud? Let me tell you, his sixth grade book report was on (laughs) William Burroughs' Junkie. Wow, sixth grade? Sixth grade, right? (laughs) So this guy's got his thing going, right? But the songwriting is brilliant, and it is garnering uh, comparisons to Leonard Cohen, Tom Waits, that whole kind of underworld vibe. Uh, There's one song on this new album about St. Rita of Cassia, the patron saint of the impossible, abused wives, and widows. I was going to play that, because it's such a great story, but it's a slower tune. I want to play something with a little bit more verve. This, however, is just as Novelistic, the Great Rondout Train Robbery. It's about the biggest train robbery in history, perpetrated by the Newton Gang in 1924. Hmm. All right, he's got. uh, He works with some multi-instrumentalists, so you'll hear everything from violin and cello to mandolin, dobro, you know, Hammond organ, farfisa organ. It's wonderful stuff. Uh, I I think Nick Cave is another analog that could be made, and I just love this stuff. But you got to be good to pull it off. Here is Luke Elliott. The song is The Great Rondout Train Robbery from Dressed for the Occasion on Sound Opinions.
1: Your eyes, they look so very troubled The sweat on your brow is a heavy weight We've been talking about train robbers Vagabonds and spinning plates Production is always too slow When there's someone in need
2: Great Rondout Train Robbery by Luke Elliott. Greg, let's hear a couple more picks from our listeners.
5: My name is Rob, and my buried treasure is the band La Santa Cecilia and their new album Amar y Vivir. But what separates this from much of the traditional music and rock and Espanol that I've heard lately uh, is the way it was recorded. It was recorded in different venues, often on the streets, uh, in Mexico City, and it features the band doing, uh, again, traditional songs, but in very unconventional settings, and it really lends a an atmosphere that you don't usually get on a, an album of traditional music. And... The secret weapon of the band is absolutely the lead singer, Marisol Hernandez. She does a duet with a singer from Mexico named Eugenia Leon, and uh, the track is called "En El Ultimo Trago. Nada me ha
1: enseñado los años Siempre caigo en los mismos errores
5: on their debut record rather than just doing a traditional record release party they would do a series of local they called them painting parties the members of the band would paint an individual cover for every single person who bought a copy of the record that appealed to me right away and there was a, there was a folk element to that and a sense of community that they were fostering in addition they're marketing themselves at the same time that I found really refreshing and, and sort of invigorating and and threw me to them right away and again Once you hear Marisol's voice, uh, you'll be hooked.
3: I think Rob is spot on there. I love the fact that it sounds pretty raw and it's not making any concessions to, you know, Western mainstream uh, production values.
2: Well, the joy in Marisol's voice. Sound Opinions Producers, why don't we have a travel budget? Can't we go down there right now and check this out? (laughs) Let's go record this band ourselves.
3: Oh, they're shaking their
2: heads. We've got another caller, Greg.
4: Hey Jimmy Greg, this is Mark from Naperville, Illinois. Just wanted to uh, suggest Sarah Shook and the Disarmers release called Sidelong as a Buried Treasure. I'm
1: drinking
0: water
4: I'd like to think of it as very authentic songwriting that would make Marty Robbins proud, but also appeal to your punk sensibilities as they apply to outlaw country. Dwight Yoakum is a great song on this release as a as a starting point to see if it might be up your alley.
0: Said she met some
4: consider her in the same zip code as Lydia Lovelace, but with a bit more snarl and attitude. I discovered uh, Sarah Shook and the Disarmors on the W.B. Walker uh, Old Soul Radio podcast a-, a while back and have been enjoying it ever since. It's a CD that you can listen to from the first song through the twelfth song and never have to stop.
3: Well, the only thing I disagree with there is more attitude than Lydia Lovelace. I dare to find a human being that has more attitude than Lydia, but that's well, pretty good. I think only because she's older, so she's yeah. got more to be angry about. I guess. You know, I'd that, like
2: to see a double bill. That's pretty good stuff. That was really good stuff. And I'm sure you've got some buried treasures at home. Share them with us. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook or call and leave a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Greg, you got one last pick for this installment of Buried Treasures?
3: I absolutely do, Jim. Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. That sounds like a mouthful, so they shortened it to Rolling Blackouts CF. And I go, where were they from? Well, they're from Melbourne, Australia. Hence the uh, coastal. I guess, yeah. And uh, they, they formed in 2013. Uh, they've only released a, an EP and a single uh, before getting signed by Sub Pop. Uh, They haven't done anything. They basically signed the band because of what they had done earlier uh, and put out a six-song EP called The French Press uh, earlier this year, which I really, really love. Um, The band has described itself as tough pop slash soft punk, which sounds awful. Uh, but you know, they almost don't do themselves justice. Um, you know, I've heard the band, uh, or I've uh, seen a couple of interviews with the band where they talk about influences and they they reference their countrymen, the Go Betweens, mm. and the uh, the Scottish indie pop band Orange Juice as reference points. And those are great reference points. There is there is a lot of that jangly uh, '80s indie pop uh, in in their approach but a little tougher th- than that. The-, the thing that sticks in your head is guitar-driven melodies uh, that-, that kind of feel off-the-cuff, but are actually extremely well-crafted. And I can't wait to see what this band does next. But for now, this song that I'm going to play next has been stuck in my head for weeks, and I can't get it out. I'm really happy it's there. Julie's Place from Rolling Blackout's CF, the French Press EP on Sound Opinions. Check out CF with a song called Julie's Place from the French Press EP is my final buried treasure for this installment. Jim, you've got one more for us.
2: I have one more, Greg, and it comes from Austin, Texas. This band is really far under the radar. I mean, you and I go to Austin every year for South by Southwest. I'd never heard of them down there. Nobody would ever recommended them to me. Yet they've been kicking around since 2004. They are on their fifth album, and it's a genre I love. It's pop Punk, or as they say, you know the reason the the weird genre description of the band that you just played, you know you got to put something on Facebook, right? Yeah. So people put something and they try to make it as messy as possible. They say they're power fighting power pop. It, it's pop punk. There's a lot of that. Uh, lookout Records sound of the Mr. T Experience, Green Day before they got huge. Dare I say, Screeching Weasel. It hits hard. It hits fast. They've been touring the world for a long time. Like I said, fifth album since 2004. The new one's called Brand Damage. I think this song kind of sums up uh, that dream of people who make music because they can't imagine not making music. You know, they must have long ago come to the realization that we will never make our living doing this. (laughs) And so we work whatever jobs we work at, and then we take two or three weeks vacation and we tour. And they do they have toured overseas to some extent, as far as what I gather, Um, you know, and, and they they just love doing what they're doing. The song says it right there. More dreams than plans. Right. And ain't that how so much great rock and roll originates? The, uh, the band is called Capitalist Kids. The new album is Brand Damage. More Dreams Than Plans is the song on Sound Opinions. Kids, new album is brand damaged more dreams than plans. And ain't that true for all of us, Greg?
3: Yes, indeed, Jim. And that wraps up this edition of Buried Treasures. If you've got an album that is flying under the radar that everyone should hear, let us know. Give us a call at 888 859 1800 or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Coming up, the history and influence of the Wawa pedal. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
1: Trust me, but you never do Is this thing on, I'm coming at you From beside of dirty canal And I've never felt better Since I let it go you find found out who your friends are When the city's cold, you speak like a child
2: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis here with Greg Cott. Today, we've got another installment of the feature we're calling Instrumental. This is where we take a look at a piece of gear used in music history and explore where it came from and how it works. Today, we're talking about the wah-wah pedal. building block of psychedelic rock, funk, and reggae. What does the wah add to rock and blues? Greg, uh, that wonderful sense of distortion, of wobbliness, of you being on the deck of a boat, going up and down in the waves, or your head being there. Uh, I think that's what the wah is uh, to me at its best. I think it works uh, well in blues, I think less so with a lot of rock and roll, Uh, but psychedelia and funk, heck yeah.
1: Purple fishes run laughing through your fingers And you want to take her with you To the heartland of the winter
2: But its creation back in the mid-60s was the product of an accident Daniel Escariza and Shelby Pollard of the Chicago Music Exchange joined us uh, to break down the history of the wah, and Daniel explained its
6: origins. The wah-wah pedal, the wah-wah effect on guitar, is based on a sound that horn players would get when they would put their mutes in and out of their horns. Uh, they could get like a weeping sound by varying the, the, how deep they would put their, the mutes uh, in them. The wah pedal simulates that, but electronically, by varying the the, the frequencies of this filter. Since the whole mute thing happened on horns, they added, you know, wah pedal components to organs. And in fact, before the production models went out in 66, there were people who were modifying organ parts and running guitars through those to kind of get that effect already. Chet Atkins actually is one of the people who, there are a couple of recordings where he has some wah sounding things happening um, pretty early on. Uh, I read that it was yeah from modifying a farfisa part and running it through that. The inventor of
3: the wah pedal, Bradley Plunkett, was an engineer at the Thomas Organ Company, but the pedal was actually
6: created because of a glitch he found. Daniel explains: There was a a, a circuit, uh, a section of a circuit in an amplifier uh, made by Vox that was malfunctioning. that had some sort of issue. Uh, that he thought was musical, so he had his friend come over and actually play saxophone through it because it reminded him of this effect that horn players can, uh, can, can do what, with their mutes. It was actually first marketed as an effect for horns. Uh, it was not originally intended for guitar at first. <laughs> The only real difference is that, instead of varying the filter with the pedal, you vary it with the opening of your mouth. And then eventually, uh, uh, people realized, well, wait a minute, this will actually be really cool if you run guitar through it, as, as the guitar became a more prominent instrument in pop music. Um, and it was repackaged and re-engineered to work better with the frequency range of the guitar and they released the, the first uh, versions of this in 1966. Vox's fabulous new wah-wah pedal opens the door to a variety of great new
3: sounds. When the foot is rocked forward, the guitar sound becomes sharp. As the foot is rocked back, the sound becomes mellow. So how does a wah
6: pedal work? Here's Daniel again a Wawa pedal i guess a, a simple way of explaining it is that it, it's just an equalizer that you can control with your foot it's a pretty aggressive equalizer so if you can think of something that has an equalizer like a car stereo for example
1: <coughs>
6: you can boost your lows your your basses
1: and the way the sunlight plays upon her head
6: you can boost your highs if you want more trebles, right
1: I hear the sound
6: so imagine that you can control that equalization but with your foot so that when uh you know the the wah-wah pedal is closed or all the way towards you uh all that's kind of really coming through is bass and as you open it up or as you push it out uh, it opens up the frequencies and suddenly starts allowing more high frequencies to come through and and you can rock it forward and back, and and get a wah wah kind of sound. Now, can you do one that's wah
4: wah? <laughs> <laughs>
6: And as soon as they came out, uh, players were very eager to incorporate them into their sound because it has a very, you know, human quality to it. It has this kind of, you can have this weeping quality to your guitar, and uh, this can be famously heard in in Jimi Hendrix's Voodoo Child, for example.
2: And now, guitarist Shelby Pollard from Chicago Music Exchange playing Jimmy's famous riff from 1968's Voodoo Child only without the wah pedal.
3: Shelby says that the wah adds something special to melodically simple riffs. In, in some other examples where you're just playing a single note, as soon as you add that wah filter into it, it becomes a completely different part. Um, so it's not just used for solos. It can also be used for just basic chord structures that give the overall feel of a song a different feel because of the, the filter nature of it. It's almost like a vibrato or or like a tremolo, um, where it it adds that rhythmic dynamic in and out of of the effect.
2: Other early adopters of the Wah were rockers like Eric Clapton and bluesmen like Earl Hooker. For me, it was in the 1970s with the advent of psychedelic soul that the wah-wah pedal really came into its own. Uh, the famous Motown guitarist Dennis Coffey used the pedal on a series of records produced by Norman Whitfield. I'd say every one of them a masterpiece, especially 1969's Cloud Nine by The Temptations. I love the psychedelic soul era of the temps. That's an early example of the soulful wah sound. In soul and funk, the wahs often played with an emphasis on the rhythm rather than uh, the tone or a lead.
1: Time. Listen. Time. I'm doing...
3: Eventually, another Motown guitarist, and here's the guy who really sets the tone, Melvin Wah Wah Watson Reagan, picked up the Wah as well, and that earned him his nickname. at Stacks Records, guitarist Charles Skip Pitts, another master, used the wah pedal for the iconic guitar riff in that Oscar-winning theme from Shaft in 1971. You can hear it in your head right now, right? Oh, yeah. The use of the wah in that song adds a critical element to a fairly simple riff. Here's Daniel again from the Chicago Music Exchange.
6: The wah pedal has this rhythmic, expressive uh, element to it that that without it, um, you know, the guitar just wouldn't have by itself. Like if we listen to the shaft theme without wah pedal, it sounds like this. And then as soon as you add the wah pedal, comes to life.
3: (laughs) That sounds like a really angry cat. Kind of. What's going on, really? You
2: know, the wah pedal continued to play a really important role in funk and soul throughout the 70s. Sly Stone, a master of it, and the immortal Curtis Mayfield. He made a lot of use of that wah pedal. (laughs)
3: By the mid-'70s, the wah-wah had essentially fallen out of favor in rock, but the pedal was playing a key role in reggae music of the time. Uh, We're talking about people like Bob Marley and the Wailers, guitarist Junior Marvin and Al Anderson, both using the wah extensively on songs like Exodus and Jamming. And on those tracks, the pedal was layered over and over to add depth to the tracks. ¶¶
2: Legendary Peter Tosh and reggae session guitarist Mikey Chung also used the wah-wah pedal, augmenting it with echo effects, making it a key element in the trippy sounds of the dub genre of reggae, where you were floating in space. ¶¶
3: The wah wasn't exclusively the domain of guitar players. The pedal was also experimented with by Miles Davis. Most famously, he used it with his horn for his avant-garde work on On the Corner.
2: You know what, Greg, I made a crack earlier uh, that the Wah is uh, uh, not uh, at its best in rock and roll. Let's put Eric Clapton aside for a minute and The Stooges. I think uh, Ron Ashton used Wah Wah wonderfully with The Stooges. But too many rock and rollers uh, just rely on it as a gimmick when they have nothing to say in a guitar solo. They're not using it well for texture. They just want to put a lot of crap on a mediocre solo. Um, the other thing, of course, we haven't mentioned is another genre, which would be porno soundtrack music. <laughs> and probably we shouldn't even go near that. But let me just say, there's a lot of wah-wah in, in porn soundtracks.
3: You know, it's a tool uh, that can be used well and not so well. And, uh, you're, you know, the... Uh, not so well. Probably way outweighs the well in as terms with of it, rock history. As with
2: anything, <laughs> yeah, yes. absolutely.
3: You know, sampling the kind of, same kind of thing. Any, anything you can name, any kind of tool. Uh, that enhances or detracts from a song can be abused
2: except for the cowbell. <laughs> and that may
3: that's going to have to be an instrumental
2: never, episode soon.
3: Never too much cowbell, but you know, absolutely the history of funk music, the history of R&B in the 70s especially would not have been the same without it. It's a critical piece of the evolution of funk and I would say that's the golden age of this particular effect. I got one and I'm a drummer. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You do have a wah on your what?
2: I have a, I don't know where I acquired oh. this wah, but somebody left it in a rehearsal space okay. years ago, and I've had it ever no
1: kind of since.
3: And as always, we want to hear from you. What song do you think makes good use of the wah? Give us a call and leave a message on our hotline, 888 859 1800. Good times with the wah, Greg. (laughs) What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have an interview and a performance from Steve
2: Earle. We have some thank yous to say on the way out. Special thanks to Shelby Pollard and Daniel Escaliza at the Chicago Music Exchange, Colin Ashmead-Bobbitt. Sound Opinions was produced by Brendan Banisak, Evan Chung, Alex Glaiborne, Iona Contreras, and our intern, Isabella Martin.
3: On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say.
1: I like to die your again. But I don't remember it so well. New messages
5: John from uh, Winfield, which is 30 miles west of Chicago. I just want to tell you I really enjoyed the interview with Penelope uh, Speris, the uh, director of Wayne's World. You'd asked us to uh, pick out our favorite scene, and mine is the, uh, the We Are Not Worthy scene when they meet Alice Cooper, because it sort of encapsulates uh, what you'd mentioned during the interview, which is that uh, Wayne and Garth, uh, although they uh, they want to be uh, headbangers, they know that they're kind of wannabes, and when they meet uh, their idol, uh, they, they know that they, they melt underneath that.
1: No, 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 stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. With
5: Alice Cooper.
1: We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're not worthy!
5: Have a good show and a party on Jim, party on Greg. Catch you later. Bye. Wayne's World! Wayne's
1: World! It's party time! It's excellent!
5: Wayne's World! Hi, it's Paul from Charlotte. My favorite Wayne's World moment has to be in the music store when he points at the sign that says, no stairway to heaven. No stairway. Denied.
0: Hi, my name is Caitlin Looney and I'm calling in in response to your guys' double try review of Arcade Fire's new album, Everything Now. Uh, okay, I had to take a breath because I'm very angry at everything that I heard. Uh, I understand what you're saying about, like, the dance albums and the disco, but Casey and the Sunshine Band is good music. Keep it
1: coming up.
0: back is a blessing upon this earth that we need to take in and love and enjoy. Not everything has to be so heavy. R.G. Fire has always been known for these incredible, you know, concept albums that have things to say about so many things. And it's not like they're not saying stuff in this album, but maybe it's okay that we're not getting a diatribe on The Black Mirror of Society. I'm really heated, you guys. I'm really heated. I think it's a great album. I think it's a fun album. Is it their masterpiece? No, but not everything has to be a magnum opus. Disco is good. It's kind of like what they say about Beyonce and Rihanna, you guys. Beyonce is an artist but sometimes you need a Rihanna banger in the club, okay? And Arcade Fire is giving us what we need at this moment in time, because in Trump's America, sometimes you just need a really good disco track, gang. And even if it is Casey and the Sunshine Band, we're gonna love it, okay? All right, thank you very much for your time. Just want you to know that like, I wholeheartedly disagree with everything you're saying, and ABBA is so good. Don't ever say a bad thing about ABBA. All right, thank you.
5: Those cool
0: kids stuck in the past. of cigarette
5: ash. Wait outside until it begins.
1: not be the first ones
3: you your life This is Matt from Jupiter, Florida. Just wanted to talk about uh,
5: your review of the new arcade fire album. Jim. You like that signs of life track, huh? Dude, wing Butler raps on That track he raps like the worst rock band rapping since that uh, Duran Duran cover of White Lines in 1992. Uh, listen to it again, man. All right,
1: thanks, guys. <laughs>